This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. UWA-517, do you want to report a UFO? Negative. We don't want to report. Aries-31, do you wish to report a UFO? Over. Negative. We want to report one of those either. Uh, Aries-31, do you wish to file a report of any kind? Over. I wouldn't know what kind of report to file, sir. Uh, Aries 31, uh, me neither. You were 7 1 Papa Golf, good. Yeah, was there anybody uh, above us to pass us like 30 seconds ago? You were 7 1 Papa Golf, negative. Okay. Off this. A UFO. Yeah. Hey, it's American 295. Yeah, something just passed over. It's uh, like a. Don't know what it was, but it's at least two, 3,000 feet above us. So, yeah, it passed right over the top of us. 911. Welcome to UFO Chronicles, a place where people share their experiences of the strange and unexplained. If you've had an encounter and would like to be on the show, you can email me at 
ufochronicles at gmail.com. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone, wherever in the world you are listening from tonight. We are joined by two guests this episode, the first of which is Tom from California, with a UFO he witnessed with several other Marines at the 29 Palms Marine Corps base back in the early 1990s. Then we move on to Illinois to speak with Scott about his UFO sightings in 1992 and a disc-shaped object he observed in 2010. If you enjoy the show and you would like to help support the podcast on Patreon, you can do this for as little as $1 a month. Head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash UFO Chronicles podcast. You can also find a link in the description of this episode below. Any help is very much appreciated. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the show, Tom. How you doing, Nick? Good to meet you after listening to you for so long. And it's, it's great to have you on today, Tom. Calling from San Diego. That's right. Now, your experience occurred at 29 Palms Marine Corps Base in 1990. Would you like to start at the very beginning for us, please, sir? Sure, yeah. I'll, I'll just start with the background. I was in the Marine Corps. I was in an infantry battalion, 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines. And I was in, we were in Okinawa for a six-month, uh, they call it a Westpac, a deployment. And we spent most of the time in Okinawa and about two or three months in South Korea with the doing a big exercise with the South Korean um, military. And just before we were due to come back, we came, we, our battalion has about a thousand people in it, thousand men, or, and we go back in two waves. They, they charter a plane, it picks up half the battalion, they fly you back to California, and then the pilots take a rest, they come back and pick up the second half. And I was in the second half, and while I was waiting for to go back to California, was the day Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. So this was probably summer of 90. And so once we got back to Pendleton, you know, all leaves were put on hold and we were basically, you know, I think they call it stop loss. Nobody leaves the battalion. Nobody goes on leave. Nobody, you know, goes to the next duty station. You just freeze in place. And it got really hectic. And we first were going to Iraq and we're not going. Then we're going to go. So then finally they sent us to 29 Palms, which is a big, big, huge Marine Corps base out in the desert. It's kind of near Joshua Tree. And uh, it's basically a big live fire range where you can practice doing big company size maneuvers with with live ammo tanks can shoot their main guns artillery can shoot uh they can you can call an airstrike like real airstrikes they have like dummy tanks or old soviet tanks strewn out in the desert and so we went out there to train and we stayed there about a month i think late october early november of 90 and uh so one day um after doing a bunch of maneuvers out in the desert we, we were going to do a just traditional company live fire assault in this like box canyon so it, it's a pretty big exercise it's you're shooting everything from machine guns to m16s to shoulder fired rockets to mortars um even hand grenades i think and and it, it's an all-day affair you kind of like the company they give you a little scenario and deep in the in the corner of this box canyon they have a some defensive positions with like dummy 
machine gun bunkers and silhouettes of you know enemy soldiers and you uh you basically attack it and uh so that spent the day doing that and it, it's a pretty tiring day and after it was over probably get done like two or three o'clock in, in the afternoon we our company which is about 200 230 guys you know we're going to stay out there for the night and so we're you know it's pretty far from the main base you're out in the middle of the boondocks in the desert and uh so we stopped and we had i remember we had dinner they trucked in like hot chow which is like heaven because uh, normally you'd think this was not a high cuisine compared to an mre it's a it's it's a treat and then i got told my company commander told me i was gonna be the safety officer for a nighttime machine gun shoot and what that is we went back up to the box canyon there's a road along the ridge line with the machine gun squad and then the mortarman set up at the base of the canyon and they shoot up these mortar flares and it's like a, a mortar goes way up in the air it explodes and it it lets out a flare that's on a parachute and it basically lights the lights the area underneath it and then the machine gunners can then acquire their target sight in and then it's just a, like a training exercise and so we went and did that and that went off just fine um i was up there i think there was an, i was a lieutenant there was another lieutenant with me i think he was the weapons platoon leader and it, it was, of course it was nighttime it was dark and the machine gun shoot was over and the guys are cleaning up and picking up the brass and putting the machine guns back in the humvees and i'd say there was about 12 or 15 of us out there and then you got to wait before you can drive back to where our company was was camping out. You got to wait for the the radio to give you the the okay signal that it's it's safe to go back. It's like a controlled area. So while we're waiting around, the guys are smoking cigarettes. We're hanging out. Uh, we're basically there's this big ridge line, and it was dark, and it was some cloud cover. It was it was November or October, and we saw this. I don't know who noticed it first, but up in the over the ridge line, the mount, it was a ridge line probably maybe six or seven hundred feet high in the air, and there was this orange glow. You could tell there was a. It was bright at the center, and it was more diffuse out along the clouds around the periphery of it. And um, it just kind of hovered there, and then it moved to the left along the ridge line. It moved towards the right, really slow, and then it moved away. Then it moved closer. It was just kind of lurking around, and, and it was wasn't a helicopter, wasn't a plane. It was just this orangey, this orangey glow that that sort of glowed the the clouds a little bit. And then it just poof, it just disappeared like went away really fast. And again, I, I couldn't see it directly. It was it was in the clouds and it was also over the ridge line. I could only see the light from it. But um after it was gone, we started talking like somebody said, Oh, did, what the hell was that? And, and a couple of the machine gunners that were uh Native Americans, so one I think one of them was a Navajo. And then they started talking about things they'd seen on the reservation, whether it were spirits or UFOs and, and people other guys started talking about uh, do you think it was a UFO? Do you think, what do you think it was? Was it a, nobody knew. And um, so then we got to go ahead to go back to our company position where they were camped out. And we went back, we, when we got back there, you know, whenever your a unit is out there away from the main base, you always have radio contact with, with the main base for safety. And so we got back and, and our, you know, the company headquarter guy, I can't remember his name. I think his name was Stevens. He was man in the radio. He said, do you guys see anything out there? And we said, we told him about the orange glow. And he said, oh, because we just got a call from the main uh, the main base. They want to know what's going on out there because all the surrounding um, communities around 29 Palms have flooded the phone lines of, of 29 Palms Marine Corps base, asking them what the hell they were doing out there because everybody around the, the area had seen this weird atmospheric orange glow. And I guess I heard later that it was like an an orb, which, you know, this isn't very uh, 
impressive, but I never saw the orb directly. I just saw the glow from it. But after after hearing that, that, that so many people around it, around the base had seen it, it just stuck in my mind. You know, that was 1990. So it was, what, 30, 30 years ago. I still remember it pretty clearly. And uh, yeah, that that's basically my story. Um, it's pretty simple, but that's it. And you weren't the only one to witness this, several other of your colleagues as well. That's what makes it interesting is that there were 12 of us that saw it. We all, you know, people, the guys who were the, the Native Americans mentioned that it reminded them of something they'd seen out on their reservation. The Navajo Reservation, I think, is in, in Arizona. And the other guy, I forgot where he was from, I think somewhere in the D- D- Dakotas. But uh, And then the fact that all the civilians outside the base had called the base to, to complain about this weird thing that was going on. And, the, of course, the base didn't know what it was because they were asking our company um, headquarters if we were doing anything so there was something inexplicable that, that went on that and the fact that it moved so slow and kind of hovered it couldn't have been a helicopter or a plane couldn't have been a, a forest fire because there, there are no there's no vegetation on 29 pumps to speak of especially up in the mountains it's just pretty much just barren rock and so it's nothing like i've seen before and you gotta know on this base there's nothing out there there's no it's just empty it's just empty desert land so there's no it's not like there would have been a, a building that would have turned a light on. It's just empty space. And there was just definitely this orangey glow moving around slowly. And then all of a sudden, you know, moving away super really, really fast. I mean, I, I can't um, estimate how fast it was, but it, it moved away very fast. So, yeah. And so in a way, after that, I went to, to the first Gulf War. And so I had bigger things to think about. It didn't, you know, I didn't think much of it, but, uh, but it is something that I, I remember. It made an impression on me. So that's kind of why my interest in, in getting a hold of you is just to see. Partly is to wonder if any other reports of this have been made, even though it's so long ago, uh, is, is what I was curious about. And I have no way to, to really uh, to really check that. You know, that, that's, that's pretty much my interest in, in this. And uh, I just have always had an interest in UFOs, I guess. I, I do tend to, to believe in them, that there's something else out there what it is i don't know but yeah i mean that that area of uh, 29 palms is no stranger to ufo activity there's a lot of material out there about that whole particular area um so if any of the listeners out there that are either serving or ex-military you're familiar with the area and maybe you've had a similar sign out there get in contact tom did you ever obviously went straight to the gulf war did you ever get a chance to report this I didn't. Like I said, they asked us, and, and I guess I assumed that since the main base that, you know, because we were from Camp Pendleton, we were just there to train, that the main base had been alerted of it. You know, that was the extent. And they never they never wanted to talk to us about it. They just asked us over the radio if we saw anything unusual. And I, while we were out there with the machine gun shoot, my, my company headquarters, didn't they didn't see anything because they were they were blocked from it. So no, I, I never reported because I figured it already had been reported. And um, as far as I know, there was no investigation or great interest from the whoever runs the base at 29 Palms. It's it's a different command. But the fact that you say, you, I, I wasn't aware there was a lot of activity out there. That's what kind of, that is interesting to me because, um, yeah, that's what I was kind of curious about. If, if, there are, if there are other sightings out there, and this was a long time ago. Um, 1990 for sure, October, November, 1990. And uh, you, you told me earlier you saw it was a report in 2014, maybe, which is you know much more recent. That's right. I did have um, an email. I think it was 20, uh, 2014, and again at 29 Palms. Um, you know, I, I try and tell everyone it doesn't doesn't matter how 
how old your um, your sighting was, you can always report it. And there is a website called the National UFO Reporting Center. Ah, okay. And it's also really good for checking up and, and seeing if there was any other sightings in that area. Because un- unfortunately, MUFON on their website, you have to pay for like a subscription to if you really want to go through all the past sightings and stuff. But the National Reporting Center, a great place for that. Oh, I'll check that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll leave the link in description for anyone else that really wants to check out the website. But it's yeah, it's the nuforc.org. Okay, got it. Because a lot of people don't seem to know about this website, and it's been going years. And um, obviously, it's national, so it's, it's predominantly in the US. But it's it's great. I, I use it all the time to check up and and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll see if we have a look if there's any film there for that area. All right. Yeah, it makes sense because it's it's a yeah, it's out in the middle of pretty much nowhere. Although there are little. You know, there are little communities around it, but not not a lot, not a lot of population. Yeah. So that's just, uh, yeah, I was just, and I, I really like your show. I, I, I think I've listened to most of them starting from now. I'm moving back and they're all quite interesting. Yeah. And yeah, I'm glad you have it because I think something like this is good because I do, you know, I do believe that there's something going on, whether, it, you know, whether it's our government or whether it's, I, I do believe in life outside the, in the universe somewhere, whether they can reach us physically or not. I don't know, but I do think there's something going on that's inexplicable because it's too many people have seen these kind of things to to just dismiss it. Yeah, and hopefully someday we'll, I, I feel like something, some kind of revelation is coming soon because even the the New York Times and even the military is letting people speak about it or they're admitting that there's something out there they don't understand. Good to know. And I think it's about time, to be honest. I think it's about time. I mean, if you just go by the amount of emails I receive, I mean, people are having these signs all the time. Mm-hmm. And so the reason why this show works is because it, you know, it's giving people the opportunity um, to share this, you know, to share their experiences. Yeah. Like I said, yours happened in 1990. Uh, right. I've had guests on that go back to the 60s and they've never yeah. shared it before. So it's it's a great outlet for people to to do this. Yeah, and it's good to just tell it to people because, like I said, I, I tell people that I know about it. I don't. I mean, I don't go around telling people, but if it, something comes up, I'll let people know. And like I think I told you before, most people just kind of gr- uh, giggle or chuckle and say, oh, okay, yeah, you must have been in the bag or, or whatever or something, you know, unless they've seen something like it, they they tend to just naturally disbelieve it. And uh, so it's good to, you know, that's great about the internet. You can, you know, you can find a community or find a community easily because you, you have access to the whole globe. And so, yeah, like, like you're saying, more and more people are, are expressing their experience with with these kind of phenomena so i think it's great and i kind of think of the people which kind of turn their nose up these kind of accounts i think they're the crazy ones you know they're the they're the ones that are closed-minded and yeah if when when they eventually do have an experience i'm sure they will um then their ideas and their belief system will change quite rapidly sure seeing is believing yeah i'm now i'm basically a scientist so and that surprises me too because one thing for me when i learned in science is that uh a lot of the things that you discover are completely unexpected. And uh, so you, you would think, and not all scientists are going to be closed-minded, but I think a lot may dismiss this. But, you know, I find that a lot of things in science are, are quite bizarre. You know, some of the, the findings you come up with until you can, you know, you t- until you can explain it, you find something that you cannot explain, and then you try to figure out what it is. So, yeah, I think getting all these data and having people just tell what they saw, it, it's going to help, you know. It's going to help a lot. I mean, science is is forever changing, isn't it? We're making new discoveries. We're learning science that we didn't understand before, and I think that's always going to be the case. So it's we should never really dismiss things like this because obviously you need proof. You know, you need to sure. 
you know, you need a conclusion to all of this, but sometimes you can't get proof. It's just really not the way it works. Yeah. And I mean, science is always changing. People, you know, if you go back to even gravity until Einstein came along, it, it, you know, your theory is just a theory until it's disproven or expounded upon. So, yeah, I think there's always going to be new findings. And who knows what this stuff will turn out to be. But but it, it is, uh, to me, I got to think that the universe as big as it is, there's got to be, there's definitely, I think, other life, whether it's intelligent or whether it can find a way to travel these vast distances that i something i can't comprehend and uh but but i think it's definitely possible who knows like the theory that maybe they've been here even before we've been here and they're they're just here in another dimension that we can't uh directly observe i guess that's a way to way to put it so yeah it's just uh something that really fascinates me and i'm I'm glad there's a, a site like yours to uh you know, to put a spotlight on it, as it were, as big of a spotlight as it may be. Good stuff. All right. Great talking to you, Tom. Well, good luck to you, Nick. And I'm glad, uh, it's glad, good to talk to you. And, and, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll talk to you again one of these days. And yeah, likewise, Tom, you enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, you too. See you, Nick. Okay. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now, the Paranormal Radio app free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Welcome to the show, Scott. Hey, Nick. Well, thanks Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you on today, Scott. Calling from the state of Illinois. That's right. The Windy City. <laughs> Windy City. Great. Now, Scott, you have some UFO science to share with our listeners uh, tonight. Would you like to start off the very first one, please, Scott? Yeah, sure. Um, so this was 1992. I lived in Schaumburg, Illinois, uh, with my grandmother. My dad had got transferred out of state, so I couldn't live with him anymore. I was um, 19, and it was, I believe it was a weeknight. I'm not sure what day of the week it was, but it was during the summer. And it was around 8.30 or so. Um, I was just, like, really bored, and I was walking around, just kind of pacing the house. And... For whatever reason, we had these blinds in the front of our house. It was like a sliding glass door in the front of the house, and we had blinds. For whatever reason, I was just walking around, and I, you know, opened up the blinds a little bit, 
and just kind of looked outside, you know, just for like a couple seconds. And uh, I remember seeing a red circle that was flying really kind of low to the ground and and it was pretty big. But for whatever reason, I thought nothing of it. And I went back to my room and I'm like, I got to get out of the house. What am I going to do? So I started calling friends and eventually my friend John answered his phone. He was actually the bass player in my band at the time. And uh, I was like, dude, I'm so bored. What are you doing? He's like, I'm going to work. You know, and that was like a half hour drive from my house. And I'm like, dude, I'm so bored. Can I <laughs> can I come hang out with you? You know, and he was like, sure, man, I got nothing else to do. And barely anyone ever comes in. So, you know, so I'm guessing now it's probably closer to nine o'clock. And uh, I'm like, I'm out of here, grandma. You know, I'll see you later. So I go walking out to my truck, which is you know, red Toyota pickup truck uh, parked in the driveway. And as I'm walking out to my truck, I see that same red light going the exact same way it was going before to my left. And that's when it dawned on me that, wait, if this is a plane, why is it doing the exact same thing I just saw it do, you know, 20, 30 minutes ago? Um, So I'm standing... (laughs) in my driveway at, you know, towards the rear end of my truck because I was going to walk around to the driver's side. And I'm I'm just looking at this light. It's going really slow. It's about, I'd say like the diameter of a car. It wasn't huge, but, you know, there was no noise and it was really low and I'm looking at it and I'm trying to figure out what it is. And then, you know, I kind of look down and the people across the street are all in their driveway and slowly but surely, I think there's like five or six people talking and, you know, they think I'm looking at them <laughs> standing in my driveway like a weirdo because they don't see the light that because it's about, it's a couple blocks behind them. So it was at that point I decided I'm going to get in my truck and chase this thing. <laughs> so that's what I did. Um, I did the best I could to follow it through the neighborhood basically what the best i could tell is it was just doing a circle around the whole neighborhood repeatedly and it had been doing this for at least a half an hour from the first time i saw it so i was really dumbfounded what you know i knew what ufos were obviously and i knew i was looking at one but i couldn't figure out what it was and what it was doing because the description of it is it was just an, an orb, you know, just a round, like a globe, you know. Everyone says they've seen orbs, but this was different because when I, at one point, I pulled into a court, and this was the closest I got to it. I was literally about 25 feet away, and I could see the lights on the orb it was red. They were all tiny little red lights, like LED lights, which we didn't have back then. Super bright. But the light from the UFO didn't cast any light on trees or anything. It was such a deep red. It was it was almost it was like a red I've never seen before, the color of it. And all the tiny little lights I could see um each one of them, there are just thousands of them. That's, and it was pulsating. It would go on, then off. 
pretty slowly, you know. It was around this point that I decided I have to go back and get a camera. So <laughs> I drove back to my grandma's house, ran inside. Hey, grandma, there's a UFO outside. Where's your camera? Do you have a camera? And so she's like, yeah, I have a camera. So she gave me the camera. I went chasing right back out to my truck trying to find it. Found it again, started snapping these pictures, and I'm thinking, I'm going to be famous. These are the, going to be the best pictures of a UFO ever, you know. And uh, again, I end up in, in a different court, and I'm snapping pictures of this thing. At this point, I have enough pictures, so I just I think I left a camera in a car. So I'm in this court, and I'm looking, you know, at this UFO flying around. And I noticed there's all these people from this house, and one lady has come out of the house, and she's walking towards me. Now it's nighttime, so I got my lights on in the car and everything. She gets about halfway to me, and she says, can I help you? And I said, uh, I don't think so. And she's like, well, what are you doing here? Because we have a surprise birthday party planned, and we thought you were the driver. And I'm like, honestly, I'm just following that light in the sky. And I pointed it up. And I don't know if she saw it. I'm assuming she did. She turned she turned around and started walking briskly back to the house. By then, people were starting to come. And she said, no, no, everyone back inside. Everyone back inside. So a whole bunch of witnesses there that I never went back and talked to. But I got back home eventually. My grandma, I said, Grandma, did you see it? And she said, yeah, I saw it. And I was like, cool, so I'm not crazy. Um, and then I opened up the camera and to look at the film, to take out the film. And it, the worst luck in the world, she had already used the roll of film that was in the camera. So I was taking pictures of nothing. It wasn't working. And when I found that out, I was so upset. But... I got over it pretty quick because of what I had just seen. And one last thing about that night was the next morning, my brother had come over and I, I was telling him all about it. And my grandma was telling him that she saw it. And then out of the blue, even my dad said he never heard this story. She said when she was a kid that a flying saucer crashed into one of the neighbor's houses in the backyard and they were able to see it before all the all the people blocked off the area so that that i was like what <laughs> she was said she was young um yeah my dad said he she never told him that but she told me so that that's the first one <laughs> yeah do you know where this crashed do you know the actual area i'm assuming it was in chicago because that's where she grew up so I don't know the year. Um, I could try to figure it out by her age, but I'm not really good at math on the fly. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's something that really surprised me. Yeah, that's an interesting one. See if uh, see if anything anything comes up on the internet about that. Great stuff. Okay, so this this object that you saw quite a long time, it was lying around. Yeah, just in circles. You know, like I couldn't figure out what it was doing. I got really close to it. I could have thrown a rock and hit it. You know, no noise, just circles, you know, around the neighborhood about, you know, twice as high as the houses, which were mostly ranch houses. So, I mean, the other thing was it was uh, it was like a retirement home neighborhood. So 
I don't know why any human vehicle would be flying over that neighborhood over and over and over. You know, it just didn't make any sense. I always assumed that it was some kind of like a, a probe or something like a drone from a mothership that was somewhere else. And it was either malfunctioning or <laughs> for some reason, it just wanted to do circles for 45 minutes. I, <laughs> I don't know. It's a mystery. And you said it had lots of little lights on it as well. Yeah, like a lot of the, you know, obviously since this happened to me, I've been, you know, search researching UFOs um, ever since. Or typically, every time I see them, they seem to be like one big light. You know, I've never heard anyone say they have tiny little lights on them, you know, like I saw. But then again, I don't know many people that have been within 15, 20 feet of one, so... Maybe they're all like that. Maybe they're all different. I don't know. I certainly feel you when it comes to the camera. Oh. Knowing what those early 90s wind-up cameras were like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if that film would have been in there, man, oh, I would have had a ton of witnesses. I would have called the news. <laughs> you know, it would have been crazy. But nope. <laughs> Unless the UFO did something to the camera and just... Because I, I don't remember ever developing the film, maybe. She did, but um, yeah, that the role was finished when I was taking a picture, so nothing came out. Yeah, that's cutting. Okay, all right, Scott, do you want to move on to your next one, please? Yeah, this one, um, this changed my life. This really shook me to my core. You know, I'd seen the orb, but it was an orb. You know, I didn't assume anything was flying it, just because it just seemed mechanical to me. On this day, this was. Uh, March 17th of 2010, um, I was home with uh, my son who had chicken pox. My wife was working from home, if you can believe it, back then. Um, and it was lunchtime. And so it was around 11.30 a.m. Daytime, perfect day, not a cloud in the sky. All right. So I, I leave to go get lunch. My car is parked in the driveway. I get my car started up. I start backing up. And out of the corner of my left eye, I see something in the sky going back and forth. I just see something moving as I'm backing up. So I start slowing up and I come to a stop and I'm seeing this object that is shaped like a flying saucer. The only difference was, well, there are two main differences. The shape of it, normally flying saucers you see are very like sleek like a sleek design, like kind of a thinner rim with a little dome. This had like a really thick rim and a really high dome. But again, it was only about six feet in diameter. So that's the first thing. The other thing is how it looked. It looked, it wasn't silver, it actually looked two-dimensional when I first saw it. Now, now, when I first saw it, it was going left, right, left, right, just in the sky, just about maybe 100 feet, left, right, left, right. Like, that's what caught my eye, was the movement initially. Um, but the way it looked was two-dimensional at first. It had a rustic kind of color to it with all these red dots going up and down vertically like lines of red dots they weren't lights 
they were just red dots. And by this time, I was out of the car, and I was standing at the, at the end of the driveway. It was new subdivision, so there weren't really any trees, and the trees were, you know, they hadn't grown yet. So I had perfect view of this thing. It was about maybe two and a half blocks away from me, over what's now a uh, firehouse. At the time, there was just a field. So I'm out of the car and I'm looking at this thing going back and forth and I'm just dumbfounded. And I remember thinking, please don't fly away. Come towards me. I need a better look. And not like three, four seconds later, it stopped moving back and forth and slowly started moving towards me. (laughs) And I was like, yes, I was really excited at the time, you know, like. I I knew I was seeing something that maybe no one has ever seen before. I don't know. But I knew I never saw it before. And as it's coming towards me, probably about 10 miles an hour, the whole sighting lasted about 40 seconds. So it starts coming towards me really slow, sort of on an angle, not directly at me. And I think that's probably why I didn't freak out. The top, as this thing is flying towards me, the top half of the UFO starts disappearing and it's disappearing from the top all the way down. And when it gets about halfway through the flying saucer, I can only see the bottom half and the sky where the UFO should be, the top half is just 100% sky. You could not tell that there was a UFO there. And eventually, you know, It's cloaking from the top down, but it wasn't finished because when it flew over my head, I'm looking up and it was just a black circle. And by this time, it was kind of getting into the sun where the sun was. I was having a real hard time following it because my eyes were hurting. Um, But that's a point where I lost it and it disappeared. And my wife said she saw me standing in the driveway and her words like an idiot looking up at the sky. And then she said she saw me in the street looking up at the sky a few minutes later. So I I must have moved from the driveway to the street. It's kind of hard to remember all the little details. But later on that night, which actually this is something that I just remembered that I, I didn't put in the email. And this really solidified the sighting for me because I thought maybe I was going crazy. Later on that night, about 6.30, I swear to God, we started hearing a helicopter. And it was loud. And I went outside, and I could hear it, but I couldn't see it. Eventually, I went to the backyard, and there it was, a black helicopter circling my neighborhood. And that, to me, said they knew it was here, or maybe it's still here, just cloaked. I don't know, but I always hear about these black helicopters showing up, and there's there's a black helicopter. I would tell my wife, I'm like, look, I'm not crazy. Look, a black helicopter. We've lived here, you know, at only like a couple years at that point, but I said, have you ever seen a black helicopter circle a neighborhood like for no reason? Like we've never seen that any place we've lived. 
I told her, I said, this can't be coincidence. I'm not nuts. See, I told you I saw something. Because my wife, I think it, the whole UFO thing scares her. She doesn't like to talk about it. So I first, at first I took that as she didn't believe me, but I, she believes me now. <laughs> I've seen six more since then, but the best ones were the first two. And I did send you a picture of uh, an orb, an orange orb that um, I just happened to look out my bedroom window, two-story house before I went to bed because my bed was right there. And I saw it flying towards the house really slow. And about 20 feet over my head, it flew. So I grabbed my, it was an iPhone 2 or 3G, I don't even remember. And I ran outside to the front and I was able to snap two pictures of it as it was passing through. That's how slow it was moving. Again, no noise. Um, the first picture was blurry. Uh, the second picture came out. And that's the one I sent you. But I can't get the picture off my old, it's an old iPhone, and it won't let me email the picture. So I actually had to take a picture of it with the phone I'm talking to you now on. <laughs> and that's what I sent you. So it's very low quality, but that's my only proof of any UFOs I've seen is that amber orb that was probably about three or four feet in diameter. That one didn't pulsate. It was just a solid color all the way through. I didn't notice any individual lights on it or anything. It seemed like all one light, not like the uh, the red orb, the first sighting I had. So those are those are the three for tonight. <laughs> no, the pictures that you sent are quite you know are quite clear actually. When when was it you saw and took pictures of the this red orb? Um, the amber orb um, was. Uh, I kind of became obsessed with UFOs after my second sighting. So I was always looking up in the sky. It was still it was still at the same house that I saw the this flying saucer at. Maybe two or three years later. It's hard. I can't really remember when that sighting was. I could suppose I might be able to find out if I look at my old phone. Maybe it'll tell me when I took the picture. But yeah, actually, I saw another UFO at that house too. It was like a hot spot. You know, I couldn't believe it. So yeah. Lots of crazy things happening in Plano, Illinois. <laughs> it sounds like it's, an, again, another very active area, you know, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, slightly obsessing over UFOs, you know, spending time looking up because, you know, like I said at the very end of the show, you know, you know, keep watching those skies. You won't, you won't see anything yeah. if you ain't looking up. That's right. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I just, I, I had to know what it was and I still don't, but I'm hoping one day I, I will know. Maybe they'll... Maybe the government will finally release all the records. So, fingers crossed. Fingers yeah. crossed. But yeah. as, as anything, you know, just uh, I think everyone should be patient. You know, it's not always. We don't always seem to get a lot of truth <laughs> out of our governments, but you know, we can. Right. We can hope. To our listeners, the pictures Scott has sent us and the drawings are, are just below this episode in the show notes. So, so check them out. Because I love hearing people's stories. It just, it makes me feel normal. You know, I've seen eight UFOs and I'm now I'm just learning I may have possibly been abducted when I was seven. So that would explain all the UFO activity, possibly, I keep seeing. So if, if they're still doing it or <laughs> if there's some kind of tracker in me or I don't know, but I've seen eight things that were completely unexplainable. So. 
but I gave you the best two. <laughs> the best two, good stuff. They were all different too. Every single one of them was different. None were the same. No. So I'll tell you, there was a white orb way up in the sky, looked like a star. It covered all the visible sky within about 15 seconds. It was going so fast. It looked like it was skipping on water. I saw that um, when I was driving home late from a, a show one night. I saw a really light blue, very bright light blue orb about the size of a softball go flying past my car. Never figured out what that was. And then there was this other one that uh, had like five lights on it, went right over a major highway. That was really weird. I'd never seen any triangles or anything like that. Mostly, mostly just orbs and the one flying saucer. So <laughs> crazy stuff. So they are all different. Yeah. You know, you know when you were saying, um, when you saw the saucer and it went over you and it seemed like it was cloaking, so I've often wondered, you know, I'd be looking at and thinking, you know, how would you transverse the sky without wanting to be seen? So obviously the UK would be ideal because we have a lot of cloud. So you'd think, you know, you're looking <laughs> up at the clouds and they're just probably just passing overhead, not being seen, you know, getting to their destination. And obviously on clearer days, they're going to need some kind of cloaking. Because you, you, right. you know, I'm not, a lot of people say, you know, they were taking a video and, and it looked like it was cloaking. But to be honest, you know, if they were cloaking, you probably wouldn't, you probably wouldn't see it. But right. it makes you, makes you wonder. Yeah. Well, it terrified me that, you know, there could be one sitting above my head at any moment or no matter where I am. And I'd never know it. You know, that part of it really kind of freaked me out, <laughs> you know, because the cloaking is 100 percent legit. I mean, you couldn't see this thing if it was right in front of your face. You know, if that's how good it was. Absolutely crazy. So and if they are using science, which is uh, way ahead of us, then I'm guessing that that's exactly what they'd have. They'd have this kind of camouflage. Certainly make a lot of sense. Yeah. And I think that's why, why it looks so weird. It was, it was in the middle of cloaking, you know, and if I any scientists that listen to what I'm saying, like if they develop this technology they're going to be like oh shit this guy knows something scott i really appreciate you for coming on today and sharing some of your um, ufo science with our listeners i appreciate you man and i appreciate you talking to me even off air it's very cool yeah no worries man it's great anytime just send me a message i do get a lot of emails but you know all right nick thank you so much man you have a great night okay yeah you too and, and again keep listening all right it's great to have you as a listener oh yeah i'm lifetime listener here don't worry about it I got you. All right, Nick. Bye-bye. Okay. Take care, brother. That is all for this week, I'm afraid. Keep updated and connected with the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you've had an encounter you would like to share on the podcast, you can email me at ufochronicles at gmail.com or reach out to me via the contact page on my website at ufochroniclespodcast.com. A big thank you to Tom and Scott for sharing tonight and thank you for listening. I will be back next week. Till then, stay safe and keep watching the skies. Goodbye. Mm -hmm.